Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we interview intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Today's podcast includes a throwback interview with one of our early guests. The Unpacking It radio show began in August 2012, and over the years, we've had the privilege of talking with players, coaches, entertainers, authors, and broadcasters, and throughout that time, technology has improved, sound quality has as well, and and even though some of those early interviews are, are funny for me to listen to, I think they're some of our, our best guests, and, and, and they're still some of my, my favorite stories that we've heard on this show, and so... That's why we want to continue to make these available to you and wanted to share today's interview with you. So I hope you'll enjoy today's podcast and and check out all of our current and past interviews from over the years. Also, be sure to sign up for the Unpack This email devotional blog on unpackingit.com. But let's jump right in. I hope you enjoy today's guest. I am pleased to bring on Spencer Tillman today. Spencer was a running back who spent eight seasons in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the 49ers, and played his college football at Oklahoma. After 16 years of being a college football studio analyst for CBS, he has moved to the booth for Fox Sports' college football coverage this fall. Spencer joins us now. Spencer, how are you? Bryce, I don't mean to brag, but I'm doing all right for an old guy, man. I'm blessed. <laughs> I have no, I have no worries and no complaints, my friend. Oh uh, well, great to hear. Well, with, with the fall quickly approaching, as we look back at the summer and vacation and all that sort of thing, how did the summer turn out for you? Uh, pretty good. You know, there's always ebb and flow in the course of a game. There's ebb and flow in life, and and I think the summer was, as you indicated in the introduction, you know, after 16 years in one place, which is uh, for us the longest tenured run in the history of CBS Sports in that capacity. You know, anytime you change, you, you know, uh, it, it it is a little bit of an adjustment. So, but it's been fun because it's opened up the door for a lot of other opportunities, and uh, those opportunities really are about growth for us. And uh, I'm blessed, as I said. You know, when one door closes, another one tends to open if we've done what we need to do. And, and I've always been a proponent of the fact that for every promise that God lays out for us, uh, for every promise there is a premise. If, if we do this, he's bound by his word to do what he's promised. So uh, uh, we just need to take care of our businesses. And, and we have, for the most part, I'd like to think, and we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it's been a fun summer, and I just try to be obedient, man, and stay in the pocket, Bryce, and try to make it happen. <laughs> I like that. That's a great way to put it. Well, uh, you, you talk about moving from being a, a studio analyst to now being in the booth. So so I guess what are you maybe looking forward to the most in, in that regard, and, and what are you most excited about? Well, probably the most important part of it is just achieving some sense of balance. You know, uh, being in the studio, you get a kind of a 40-foot, 1,000-foot view of what's going on in the landscape of college football, but you you know, you're restricted to that. So, but if you're in a game context, you have a lot more time in a 30-minute or an even hour pregame show. You've got three hours uh, essentially to, to engage at a high level, and you get a chance to paint a big picture of what's going on. What are the implications of the two combatants playing in that particular game? What impact does it make in, uh, on, the, on the larger game itself uh, as it relates to those specific teams? And so you get a chance to talk about that because uh, that's what fans really want to know. You know, sports is no different than weather or anything else. It's local. People tend to care about it. So we'll have a captive audience 
concerned about those two games. But the good thing about college football in particular is you better know what's going on in the landscape of other players within your oh, yeah. conference and beyond because it does matter. Spencer Tillman is our guest today on Unpacking It. He, he's now uh, one of the new analysts for Fox Sports uh, college football coverage this fall and you you've been around the the college game for for a long time and so as we head into the 2015 season from your perspective what what are some of the the positives and and even some of the negatives just regarding the state of college football well it's a great question Uh, i'd probably keep it contained to a couple of things you know look we have seen a number of um changes relative to the rules and i probably have to go back a few years when jeremiah masoli you know left oregon and came to Ole miss and did a great job during the short period of time that he was there but since that time you've had this wave of guys who've been able to graduate get their degrees and then move into the postgraduate space but it's allowed them to take that fifth year and transfer um to another institution to have great success probably the most recent uh, high achiever in that area would be russell wilson uh, at, yeah. uh, of course, as the Seattle Seahawks. So I think that particular move, you've seen as many as 20, 250 last year that were eligible to make that similar move and did, in fact, make that move. None of them were as high profile as they aforementioned Wilson, but I think what you're seeing is a lot of that taking place in the landscape of college football. So that's one of the changes that's taking place, and because a lot of them have been at the quarterback position, they've taken uh, you know, a lot of the front pages away from some of the other stories. Still have a fair amount of untoward behavior that goes on time to time. Florida State certainly has had its fair share of dealing with that, but that is not going to change. We're in the Internet era where mm. those kinds of stories will be front and center, and that's unfortunate. We didn't have to deal with that during the era when I was growing up, but it's one of the changes. Uh, so there's a lot more that's there, but just for the sake of the interview, uh, we'll take all of it and, and deal with it accordingly. It's just the age that we're living in. That's right. Well, either way, it's, uh, it's an exciting time with, with the season right around the corner and, and camp starting up and, and everything else, and Spencer Tillman is our guest here on Unpacking It. And, and so in your time as a, as a studio analyst, how often did you maybe interact with – the, the current players in the college game, and then I, I guess that, that'll change to a certain extent now being in the, in the booth. Are, are you looking forward to that aspect of it, or did you always kind of interact with, with some of the current players as well? I always did on some level, but it was more so in a consulting capacity. For example, I just left Oklahoma State University, and I know for the, some of those Sooner fans that are out there listening to your audience, don't, that's not sacrilege or anything. <laughs> I know I'm an OU guy, but I did go speak to those guys. because I'm really concerned, Bryce, about the, the, the individuals, the young men, yeah. who are being, no matter where they are and what color uniform they're wearing, I'm concerned about growing and developing them to be an active participants and not detached spectators beyond the field of play. Um, so I, I would think that as you, you, know, you look back at um, all of those opportunities, they've all been fun, but the ones that have been the most intriguing, the ones that have been most engaging, are the ones where you get a chance to spend time with those guys on the ground. So the studio didn't really allow us to do a lot of that. Since we'll be at the venues uh, and doing games now, we'll have more opportunity to do that. I did get a chance in the studio to spend more time with the coaches, which it was informing, informative and, and fun to do. But, uh, you know, so I think the balance comes into play when you can get on campus, engage as we will when we do this first game. We'll be in Hattiesburg for a, a, basically a quasi-SEC tilt. We've got Southern Miss who's been struggling, but – You've got Dak Prescott, a Heisman Trophy candidate uh, oh, yeah. at Mississippi there, Mississippi State, and that'll be fun to watch uh, Dan Mullen take his team and try to you know, re- reignite that Heisman Trophy campaign for a second year running. That's right. College football analyst Spencer Tillman joining us here on Unpacking It. And, and so in speaking of some of the, the players today, I, I'm curious, if you were being recruited today, what college coach would you want to play for? 
You know what? This is an irony because I, if you would have asked me this a year ago, I, Urban Meyer would have not even been anywhere close to my my radar. Because, oh. you know, I, uh, and, but 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 again, for different reasons. Um, but I would say, in hindsight, you know, with leadership being the focal point of what we do um, at Leadership U Bookstore, you know, where, where all of our red zone stuff is, I would say that Urban Meyer has done the best job of leading in difficult situations, more so than even you know some of the lead coaches like Nick Saban and others have uh, been regarded in recent years. What he has been able to do in taking a team uh, that had three essential starters at quarterback and be able to keep them there. One, of course, Braxton Miller's changed position to become a wide receiver. And to keep them content and to keep a, a lid on that a potential explosive situation was just impressive to me. And it's not just that. No matter where he's been, he's had great success. Even in his, his timely departure from Florida, you know, unfortunately part of it was for medical reasons. Uh, but uh, he still left after having won a couple of national championships. He's got great success, a Heisman Trophy winner and Tim Tebow. Everywhere he's gone, mm. he's been highly successful. So I would say that Urban Meyer, if nothing else, for his leadership style and ultimately the results that he produces. Well, I guess with that said, they're one of the biggest storylines heading into the season with, with two, maybe three quarterbacks having to figure out who, who's going to play what, where, when. Um, do, you, do you feel good about that situation? Or are you, I guess, just as, a, as an analyst, maybe nervous for Urban Meyer, curious to see how he handles that whole situation? No, he's already done the heavy lifting. I mean, the fact that you're able to keep all three of them there, that to me was the miracle in, in all yeah, of this. Yeah. And, 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 and no matter who's going to be under center, he's been able to take that narrative of, look, it took three of us, three quarterbacks to get through last year. So who's to say that that narrative won't play again? You know, as physical as they expect their quarterbacks to play in that run-based spread concept that they have, Ezekiel Elliott may be back there to take some pressure off, but the quarterback is still going to carry the ball a fair amount of time. So, like Tim Tebow and others, you're going to be subjected to the potential of injury at a much higher rate than a quarterback who's in a true spread where you're passing it more. So I think the fact that he's able to sell them on, look, guys, we can't get by with just one, two quarterbacks. We needed three last year to, to essentially after that untimely loss to Virginia Tech to begin the season. We needed everybody, all hands on deck. And he navigated that space with the plum. And I just don't see anybody uh, able to knock them off at this point. It's going to be exciting. That's the heavy lifting. He's already done all of that. Great point. Spencer Tillman here on Unpacking It. And, and you know him as a college football analyst for CBS. Now he's with Fox Sports, and he'll be in the booth uh, this coming season. But, but Spencer, uh, during the offseason, you're also in, involved with, with many other kind of aspects of, of business and, and broadcasting and leadership. And you already mentioned, uh, just kind of alluded to, Leadership U Bookstore. Kind of fill in some of the people that, that may, may know you as an analyst, but, but not as familiar with, with some of the other aspects of, of who you are. Yeah, we do a lot of leadership training. You know, about 12 years ago, Bryce, I partnered with this group called Lift Up America. Actually, was kind of a co-founder capacity with Dave Hanna and his son, Eric Hanna. And what a tremendous job, along with Jody, his wife. They've done a fantastic job of creating a Harvard-based kind of curriculum, uh, an educational curriculum that focuses on the so-called soft uh, uh, core leadership skills. You know, we know about the hard math and the sciences and all of that. But what businesses are telling folks is that we, these kids, these millennials, are arriving in the workplace ill-prepared to deal with conflict resolution and some of these other issues that are going to have to be mastered in order for them to be successful. They're not job-ready in many instances. So while we do focus on the academic piece uh, of our program, we're teaching them how to compete in life, how to be resilient. And that's something, Bryce, that they have to have because the world is a much different place 
than when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are seven billion people on planet Earth right now. And of those seven billion, Gallup tell us that five billion are adults age fifteen and older, and of those. Three billion tell them that they have actively have gained full-time formal employment or seeking for it. Now, the problem comes into play when you realize that there are only 1.8 billion full-time formal jobs. So that leaves a 1.2 billion shortfall of jobs available to compete. So the net takeaway from all of that is succeeding in life is going to be more precarious than it ever has been before. And in fact, failure, so-called missing out on opportunity, will become, or at least being able to thrive as a result of missing out on opportunity, resiliency is going to be as important as making it and getting that job in the first place. So if I go to training camp, for example, and NFL running back in the old days, there were 12 guys there, I felt confident. Coming from Oklahoma University to perform at a high level, I'm going to get one of those jobs. I just felt that confident. But imagine if I went to camp and there were 400 running backs that I was competing Mm. against. Well, that's what the global numbers tell us is the situation. So the likelihood of us not succeeding in that first path, that second opportunity, that third opportunity is more prevalent than ever before. So resiliency becomes more important. And in fact, the science is there and it proves that resiliency is more important and more predictable of an indicator as to whether a person will succeed or fail in life than is academic achievement. And that is an immutable fact that we know empirically can be can be verified. So what we focus on in our leadership training is though, are those soft leadership skills because America really can't thrive without them, and we need them in a desperate way. Oh, absolutely. Spencer Tillman, our guest today on Unpacking It, and he's also written a book called Scoring in the Red Zone, How to Lead Successfully When the Pressure is On. And, and Spencer, you, you mentioned the, the word resiliency, and, and it's really just one of the, the key words for, for life, but it's also so important just in our faith journeys and, and knowing that, that you're a, a man of faith. When, when you look back at, at your life, what, what are some of the maybe key moments that, that come to mind where resiliency was, was so key in your life when it, when it came to uh, the faith aspect, but, but even uh, along with, with your career and, and, and even family, perhaps? Well, that's a great question. You know, there, there are three primary contexts in which the best kind of learning rights occurs. Uh, one of them is in sudden loss. You know, death is typically the first thing that we apply in that situation. And for me in 2002 when my mom passed away, she was such an impactful lady. She was a missionary, did work all over. And when her, when she died, it really triggered an inflection point in my life where I began to reevaluate had I leveraged all the gifts and the talents that the Lord had given me to the level that she had. I mean, she grew up with very little in East Arkansas, um, worked her way, put herself through school, became a missionary, traveled all over the place, you know, touching people's lives in a profound way. And there were nearly a thousand people at her funeral, and I noticed that mm. they were from all walks of life, from everyone from street people to a couple of U.S. senators that were there, a mayoral candidate. I mean, it was incredible, the, the, the range of people and personalities. But what I think it spoke to Bryce was her ability to impact, influence people no matter where they were. And I think that's the greatest example that Christ would would leave us all with, the ability to go in no matter where we are, like the Apostle Paul talked about, whether of a bound or base, I've learned to be consistent. My mom was that way, no matter if she was speaking with a U.S. senator or if she was speaking with a street person. And I saw her in action in many levels. So I would say that, you know, when you were inserted in the foreign territory, sudden loss, and then you have mentor relationships. Those are the three greatest contexts mm. in which we can learn the most. And so I think my Christian experience has been uh, looking 
actively pursuing those opportunities and not shrieking when I find myself confronted with either of those opportunities and really seizing them. And, and the book, by the way, Scoring in the Red Zone, really focuses in on Nehemiah's reclamation project of Jerusalem. And if you go look at the anatomy of his leadership challenge, once from the time uh, Hanani, his brother, came from a thousand miles away to tell him that the gates and walls had been destroyed, it triggered a core value in him. And how do you know that? By what he did, he responded. He went to King Artaxerxes, asked for permission to travel to Trans-Euphrates. He gave him a rent to do it. He, he got permission to use wood from the royal forest that ASAP was overseeing to rebuild it once he got there. Okay, And he gave him protection, a, a small contingency, an army, to protect him because traveling through the Trans-Euphrates was very, very dangerous during that era. So he risked everything to go do that. I mean, he didn't know what the king's response was going to be when he said, hey, look, I want to go back and rebuild my city. But he was so convicted, Bryce, and here's the passion part that I love about his leadership example. If you go back and look at the narrative in the Old Testament, Nehemiah attacked his mission with the kind of conviction of someone who knew that if Jesus was to emerge from Jerusalem, okay, it could not happen if Jerusalem was not in existence. Mm. So when you look at that, that conviction was manifest in everything he dealt with, from Zimbalas, Tobiah, and Geshem, who wanted to lure him down there by the plane of Ono to kill him ostensibly, and, and from other areas, innuendo, intimidation. He avoided all of it and strategically did the things that were necessary to have a, a successful outcome, which ultimately led to an unprecedented run of success in J Jerusalem's history. So it's all because of his leadership that he did that. And for me, I'm looking for opportunities, not shrinking again from those opportunities when we find ourselves thrust in difficult situations. And I call them red zones. Mm. But, you know, everybody's going to go there, but, but we need to score. And in order to score in those red zone situations, we have to move from cognitive understanding of what's happening to behavioral transformation. Otherwise, we're just you know, going to be inundated by the, tr the trouble of the moment. So um, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to kind of be able to go and use this platform at Fox and at CBS and other places that we've been to encourage people to be great successes in that leadership capacity. Amen. We're, we're talking with Spencer Tillman today. Uh, he wrote the book Scoring in the Red Zone, How to Lead Successfully When the Pressure is On. And uh, yeah, the, the story of Nehemiah, one of my favorites in the Bible for sure. Uh, just a, a great one about perseverance and leadership and, and everything that you uh, mentioned. Well, well, Spencer, you had, you had mentioned earlier just with, with some of the transition that, that you've been going through recently, now, now going to Fox. Uh, I'm curious what maybe God has been teaching you recently well it's really been on on your heart personally and and, and really certain ways that that he's moved uh in in your life most recently well he's always moving in my life but i, I think bryce if i had to say it, it's just keeping my eyes open and being aware of how precarious the world is right now and i'll give you an example um i think we tend to put ourselves on autopilot and not be cognizant of what's going on around us we've reached an inflection point in this nation, and if we've ever needed God, we need Him more than we ever have needed Him. Mm. For the first time in our nation's 240-year history, this generation, according to the Department of Labor, will not eclipse their parents in terms of economic mobility. That is, moving from one socioeconomic quintile to the next is a matter of course, lower class, middle class, upper middle class, and so forth. Now, why that's important is because this is the first generation, again, that will not do that. Every generation prior to these 240 years has expected to do better than their parents, and they, in fact, have done better, despite the fact that we've had recessions during the 1920s, and then, of course, uh, more recently from 2008 and beyond. Those realities tell us something. It goes back to the growing point I made of globalization. 
we are not competing against 200 or 320 million people here in America. Information technology has leveled the playing field so that people in Bangalore, India, and China can collaborate and compete for jobs they couldn't even think about competing for 15, 10, 20 years ago. So that has real profound implications for our young kids who tend to, as millennials, have issues with commitment, they have issues with um, you know, have entitlement, issues that they've got to deal with. But I got to tell you, man, we're in a very competitive context. So I would say what the Lord is dealing with me about is coming up with solutions, hmm. analysis, metaphors, biblical principles to help us not just realize, but again, move from cognitive understanding of the facts to behavioral transformation. That means getting skill sets and attitude, behavioral um, uh, transformation that will allow us to engage in a way where we're bringing solutions to the table and not just awareness. So that's really where I've been and where I will probably be for the next probably the remainder of my life. I, I think the issue is that significant, right? Wow. Well, no, it's, it's incredible. The, the platform that, that you've been given and, and using that platform and, and, and God continues to uh, just use you as a, as a voice to, to a lot of those, those issues. And, and man, the, talking about leadership, so key. So I uh, really appreciate everything that, that you're doing and where your, your heart and passion is uh, for that. But we'll end things right there. Spencer Tillman, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks so much for doing this and uh, wish you the best uh, with the upcoming season. Have some fun being back in the booth and uh, hopefully we'll uh, talk again soon. Thanks, Bryce. I hope you enjoyed this classic interview here on the Unpacking It podcast and encourage you to check out some of our recent interviews as well as all the classic interviews that we have available to you on unpackingit.com or in iTunes, just search Unpacking It. And wherever you uh, listen to the podcast, I hope you'll be willing to leave uh, a comment and and a review and and offer some feedback. That especially helps in iTunes. And if you ever want to uh, offer up some some thoughts, uh, you can email me personally, Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E, at unpackingit.com. Also, be sure to check out our weekday email devotional blog. You can sign up for free on unpackingit.com. And if you feel led to support Unpacking It Ministries financially, we would greatly appreciate your monthly support. Even as little as $5 a month would just be a, a huge blessing to our ministry so that we can continue to encourage, challenge, and inspire sports fans to follow Jesus and become more like him. Thanks for all of your support. Thanks for listening today. And we'll talk to you next time on the Unpacking It podcast.